7th Ave produces the highest quality, best tasting frozen pizza available in the market today. If delicious toppings are what you crave, look no further. Our thin crust pizza are made with the highest quality ingredients, including spicy sauces, hearty meats, and assortment of delicious Wisconsin cheese. The meats are real, no fillers. Check out the brand new breakfast pizza at just some of these great locations like Cup Foods, Holiday Gas Stations, and High V. Seven that pizza before pizza became trendy. Get you some. This is Bobby Boucher from the Fifty Shades of Boucher podcast, and you're listening to Sports Done Right. Oh yeah, get your snow cats ready and get over here right now. You're darn tootin'. Don't you know it's time for the governor's weekly address? Live from the Situation Room of his lakefront chateau, he's bringing a little color to the voice of Minnesota sports talk and worldwide. His mama calls him Vince, but you can call him governor. And by way of executive order, he's serving real sports fans a dose of sports done right. What's up? It's Carl Anthony Towns. 12 to shoot. Cat going to work. Pounding the dribble. In the paint. Up with the left hand. Count it for two. Eight straight points for Carl Anthony Towns. A drive to left field. Are you kidding me? Wow. <laughs> what a comeback by the Twins. Up to the line. Rodine. A drive. Got through. Same quick. Caprice off on the Deep shot, got a man, Jefferson, you bet, touchdown Minnesota! Alright everybody, Vince Wright, the sports governor coming to you with another edition of the Sports Done Right Podcast, brought to you by 7th Avenue Pizza, the one and only cultivated CBD, the best CBD products out there, my friends. And we are found on the Pigskin Podcast Network. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to get right to it. I was honored to have on our show today Pierre Nugent from Fox 9, Channel 9 here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Fox 9 Sports, one of the best sports reporters out there and one of the nicest guys as well. I had the privilege of meeting him couple summers back at a boxing event here in Minneapolis and just a cool dude he is the host of the PJ Flex show he also is one of the hosts of the Gopher pregame shows on Fox 9 and he knows the Gophers in and out so we're going to talk to Pierre here we recorded an interview earlier today and it's about oh, about 35 minutes or so and we're going to get into it all Vikings Wild Wolves and we're going deep, deep into the Gophers here. So let's just get right to it because I'm very, very excited about this interview. Uh, brought to you, by the way, one of our sponsors, Cultivated CBD. Hey, what's up, everybody? Vince Wright, the sports governor and host of the Sports Done Right podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Cultivated CBD. 
The best CBD products on the market come from cultivated CBD. So whether you want a roll-on, a smokable option, maybe you want some of the gummies to help you with your anxiety or pain relief, go to cultivatedcbd.com, the best CBD company out there, and tell them Vince Red, the sports governor, sent you. That's right, folks. So, all right, let's get to it here. A lot of fun. Pierre Nugent from Fox 9 on the Sports Done Right podcast with yours truly, the sports governor, Vince Wright. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We got the one and only Pierre Nugent with us. He is over at Fox 9 Sports, one of the nicest guys out there. And I met Pierre at a fight a couple years ago, the David Morrell Jr. fight. And he's just been the nicest guy. He always interacts on Twitter, gets back to you and things like that. So, Pierre, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Vince. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Hey, man, thank you for coming on. So, folks, let's get to kind of know a little bit of the backstory of Pierre because, yeah, we see him and he's hosting, you know, the go for pregames and all this stuff. But, Pierre, tell the folks, you know, you're from Sacramento. Tell the folks, you know, a little bit about growing up back up in Northern California there. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it was a great place to grow up, to be honest. Um, you know, had a lot of fun great friends, great family, you know, can't complain whatsoever. And then, uh, when I was 19, um, I went down to the local radio station that was the home of the Sacramento Kings and just see, check to see if they needed any interns and turns out they did. So, um, I started interning for them in January of 2003. So it's kind of funny when I think about it, my sports broadcasting career start once January rolls around, it'll be 20 years. Um, that I've been doing. (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, I can't believe it's been that long. I mean, so it's, um, that's where it started and, you know, it's been a heck of a ride, um, from there, but, yeah, it just started in SAC, and, um, you know, it'd always be home, of course, but um, that's where it all started, and started in radio, and I did radio for five years before I even got into TV, so okay. that's where it all started. Very cool. So, you know, you make the decision, you're going to get into the sports radio, or excuse me, just sports reporting in general. So, you know, what is it like when you're kind of chasing the dream, when you're, you know, you got to go to maybe some towns you don't want to go to or and definitely didn't think you'd probably be living in. But what is that like as you're going through the grind, as I like to say? You know, as I see you were out in Grand Junction, you were, you know, you've done work down in Waco, Texas. You know, so just explain to the people what that is like as you're chasing your dream, my friend. Well, when I was younger, um, I it didn't matter where it was. It could have been okay. in Anchorage for all I care. <laughs> right. You know, it, when, I, when you're young, yeah, when you're young, when you're young and you just want a shot and, and to get into the business and, and you, I was lucky enough to be mentored by some great people out in Sacramento and they kind of gave me a, a, a lay of the land in terms of what to expect, what you should do. You know, this is kind of how it works. You know, you work your way up through the ranks and yeah, my first TV job was in the summer of 2008. I landed that job in Grand Junction, Colorado, which was just a little teeny tiny town on the Western side of the state making absolutely no money and i said yeah give it to me you know give it to me um so it's it was it was a challenge i I won't lie to you it was definitely a challenge because i spent three and a half years there and then i got another job which thankfully at the time came at the perfect time for me to go down to waco which was still one of my favorite jobs i've had to this day 
and uh, spent four years in Waco and then two years back in Sacramento. And now I can't believe it's been almost five years here in Minneapolis. So, I mean, at the start, you just wanted your shot. And I didn't care how much it was for, but that's just kind of how it was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so many reporters that are my age probably have similar stories. And, yeah, it it was an ideal living situation. It was an ideal money-making situation. But you made it through. And uh, as I'm sure my dad would probably tell me, it helps build character, if you will. So, (laughs) um, you know, so uh, that's just how it was. And, um, you know, looking back, I I wish I would have made a little bit more money at the start, but I wouldn't really change a whole lot after that. Hey, that's cool, man. So, again, folks, up here, Nujim with us, joining us. He is over at Fox uh, Sports Channel 9, KMSP-TV. And quick question about your stop in Waco, because I saw in your bio um, there, Pierre, you were down there with RG3 as kind of that whole thing was taken off and Baylor football kind of coming back in. What was that like to kind of see the reemergence of that program down there? I still remember my first week when I moved into Waco. I think I arrived in Waco on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and got my cable hooked up on Friday, I think it was, <laughs> yep. just in time just in time to watch RG3 and Baylor beat Oklahoma, I think, for the first time, if I, if I recall, for the first time. And um, that was – and I, I wasn't at that game because I was still getting settled, but – I remember watching that on TV and thinking, wow, this was a really big deal. And I was there for the last handful of games for Robert's tenure, and he wins the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, I remember R. Bryles' face when Art, when uh, Robert's name was announced as the Heisman Trophy winner. And, yeah, it was it was really a, a glorious time to be out there. On top of it, too, the women's basketball team went 40-0. Yeah, right, yeah. We, yeah, with, with Brittany Griner and, and, um, and won the national championship. The men's basketball team was always a great fun to watch. The baseball team made it to just the doorstep of the College World Series that year. So that that 2011 and 2012 year was the year of the bear down there in Waco, and it was a lot of it was a lot of fun. I saw a new stadium get built right, down yeah. there in Waco. Yeah, they moved out of Floyd Casey Stadium and into McLean Stadium, and it was really um, a, a really great time in Baylor sports history. And it was a lot of fun. Like I said, that's probably my favorite gig that I've had so far because it was just a lot of fun. It was just right. the right place at the right time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, as you, like I said, you were down there during the transformation of this program that a lot of people, unless you live down in Texas or in the area, you know, may have not even heard about. And then all of a sudden here, Baylor is on the national scene and, and to this day still doing big things. So, all right, my man. So I got to ask you here now for the local crowd before we get into all the sports and everything. How did you wind up at Channel 9 here locally? Well, my um, my time in Sacramento was done in um, 2000, late 2017. And uh, I was just looking looking for the next opportunity and just looking around. And I got a phone call saying, what do you think of uh, Minneapolis? And I, I laughed into the phone. I said, <laughs> I'm not moving to Minnesota. <laughs> There's no way I'm moving to Minnesota. And uh, so I, I, I told him, I said, I'll, I'll take the interview, but I, I don't really have much intention of doing much right. after that. But credit to our management team when I sat down in the meeting they really sold it to me and 
you know, I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just stay a couple of years and then we'll move on to the next sure. thing. But a couple of years has turned into five years and uh, it's been a great home for me um, out of Fox nine. It's been, the, it's easily the best. And I'm not just saying this. I know a lot of people are probably listening and thinking, you know, my management team is listening into this. I'm sure <laughs> right. I assure you they're not, but, but it's, it's been the best gig that I've had so far and it's the best newsroom I've ever been in and it's not even close. So we have a lot of great people doing hard, honest work in that building. And I wish more people knew of that. So it's been a good fit and uh, we'll see how far it takes me. Hey, Pierre, let me ask you about the sell. You talk about how they sold you. What was that? Because a lot of people I think are very interested when you come from California and people are trying to get you to Minnesota and, and obviously the first thing, Oh, it's cold and winters and all this stuff. If I can, if it, you know, without getting you know too into it, I guess, what was their sell to you? How did they sell Minnesota to this California kid? I think it was more so the the job opportunity with four major sports teams, five if you want to include Minnesota United in soccer mm-hmm. and a D one university. I mean, there's just everything to do here in terms of a sports reporter's hopes and what they would want to do for their career. There's every opportunity to cover pro sports. And I've, I've been, I've been much more of a pro sports guy than I have ever been a college sports guy in my entire life. And and pro sports is really where I want to be. And uh, that was just really the, the opportunity in terms of, we have, we had a big sports department. They were committed to sports. I could see we were home. uh, We were the home of the Vikings and there's not a lot of TV stations around the country these days that are really committed to sports. I mean, that's, that's not a controversial thing to say. That's just really how it is. They're not, as committed and Fox nine is committed to sports and it's, it's how it's, I, I saw that, you know, especially coming from a couple places that weren't as committed. And when I saw how committed they were, I believed them and it's proven true thus far. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Yeah. So we got Pierre here, fans, let's get to the sports talk. And I want to jump in with the Gophers because if you know, if, if you don't follow Pierre, make sure you check him out on all his social media he also is the host of the Gopher pregame shows over there on Channel 9 as well. So he is in with the program. And Pierre, let's just talk about the season in general. They finish up at 8-4. Yeah. Um, you know, three you know bad losses took them out of the running for the West Championship in a year that really is maybe the best time ever for them to have a shot at winning the division. So eight and four, I mean, as a Gopher fan, I went to school there in the late 80s, early 90s. I've seen awful Gopher football. So I guess I should be happy that we are now complaining about an eight and four year when we used to have three and sevens and two and eights all the time. But with that being said, you know, give me your quick thought and synopsis on this year for Gopher football. I think it's okay to feel a little bit let down. I mean, only because Wisconsin did not have a Wisconsin type year by their standards and the door was open in the West for, for Minnesota to walk through. They just weren't able to get over that hump. And, you know, it's, I I think it's okay to feel disappointed. I don't think it's reasonable to be angry about it by any means. I don't, I I don't think it's, you know, I, I think that it's a good you can categorize it as a good season would i say it's a great season no i wouldn't because i think there was missed opportunity there and i think pj fleck would agree there was a missed opportunity there and they really could have won 
the game against Iowa, they didn't get the job done. They stalled out against Purdue, didn't get the job done there against back in that game. I thought they were outplayed. I thought they were completely outplayed in the game against Illinois. So, you know, no shame, no shame in that kind of thing. But, you know, this was an oppor- this season was certainly an opportunity for Gopher football to break down that wall and perhaps play in a Big Ten championship game. And they weren't able to get the job done. Would, would I say the season is a failure? No, I wouldn't. Would, I, but I do think it's fair to say it's a, it's a little bit disappointing. But as you said, if you're disappointed at 8-4, and four, considering the path of this program, that just tells you a lot about where this program has come in the last handful of years or so. No, I, you said it exactly as I would, because as someone, like I said, you know, I've seen a lot of bad go for football. And yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're, we're griping about an eight and four season. But yeah, just disappointed because once again, and I say it on my show all the time, Pierre, we're losing to mediocre Iowa teams and, you know, some Wisconsin teams. We've had the better part of that series now for the past few years, but you know, the Iowa thing is really disappointing because these are not great Iowa teams that we are losing to. And if they ever kind of figure it out down there and kind of get back to where they want to be, it could be scary. But let me ask you this about P.J. Fleck. Now, he's catching a lot of heat for a comment he made after the game. Uh, basically, I'll, and I am paraphrasing for people out there. It's not an exact quote, but he's saying, you know, look, I came here, people said, hey, all you got to do is beat Wisconsin, you can stay forever. And we beat Wisconsin, you know, twice here, uh, three of the past five, and you guys still wanted to fire me last week after the Iowa game. Now, I get coaches are temperamental and all this stuff, and, and, you know, in the age of social media and everybody coming down on you, but I think P.J. Fleck has done a, a great job, but I thought that was a little bit petty on his part there, so... Let me ask you, because you're around him, you cover him, what do you think about P.J. Fleck as a coach? And, you know, I I tell people from Minnesota, Pierre, that want to get rid of him, you know, everybody on Twitter and whatnot, who are you going to bring in that's going to do a better job? Yeah, I I think that's a great question to ask. And and I kind of laugh a little bit when I think about this whole situation. And and I only say that because – you know, I, I can never tell who's serious about Gopher football and who isn't. Oh, and right, yeah. I, I, I can never tell who's really serious about it and who isn't. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I, I'm just going to come out and say it. As somebody who's not from here, mm-hmm. the University of Minnesota football program, I would say University of Minnesota athletics in general outside of hockey is, and I'm sorry to say this word, but it, it, in a national scale, it, all my life it, it's been irrelevant. Nobody has ever talked about the University of Minnesota football program on a national scale. Nobody has talked about the University of Minnesota basketball programs on national scale outside the year the women made the Final Four with Lindsey Whalen. I mean, this has not been an athletics program that has garnered a lot of attention. And in the last handful of years, with the way the football program has performed and the way P.J. Fleck has been able to elevate this program to a new level, I couldn't understand why anybody would think it would be I'm not going to say a wise decision, but mm-hmm. the right time to make the decision to move on from him. I, I don't. I don't really understand that line of thinking. Now, granted, having said that, I did hear what PJ had to say after the game, and that did make me, you know, kind of twist my head a little bit, thinking, 
you know, I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking of the Spider-Man pointing meme, like of media people <laughs> saying, "Did you say? Did you say you wanted him fired? Did you say I you wanted him it. fired?" Like, You're right. I didn't hear. I didn't hear anything about PJ getting fired or people wanting him to get fired. Now, if they would have lost the game to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. I could under, I, I could hear that chatter a little bit. You know, saying right. people being more upset and it'd be a seven to five season. It's not, you know, I, I could understand that, but I, I think PJ is a little out of pocket here when he's talking about saying somebody wanted him fired. I didn't hear anything about anybody wanting him fired, and they won eight games last year. They won, you know, they had the Outback Bowl the year before COVID. And right. wh- what are we doing here? No, but nobody's saying PJ Fleck needs to be fired. But is there a level? Is there another level of his coaching? You know ability that he could probably get to I'm sure he would tell you yes because especially when you look at the offense this year the the offense was fine it's fine but it it wasn't at the level that you need to get to to win games in the way that you need to win games a la the game against Purdue a la the game against Iowa you need to be able to throw the football and there there's I think there's some fair critique there as to how they couldn't get the offense unlocked from a passing game perspective, but in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't understand why anybody would be quick to dismiss what PJ Fleck has done here and would want him out the door. And at the same time too, I don't understand where that came from, from PJ. I, I don't, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I don't understand I don't. why he would say something like that. I don't. I, I don't either, you know, unless he was out there, you know, in the, in the Twitter verse. And I mean, we all know how, how, how it goes in Twitter and, and, you know, I mean, yeah, I did see a couple of people are like, hey, man, maybe we need to move on. But I mean, you know, if you are serious about go for football, that's just not even a thought that you want to consider right now. Because, you know, the success of this program, I mean, PJ has had us in a, at least in positions to win, you know, the West crown just hasn't happened. So let me ask you this, Pierre, because, again, you're around the program and whatnot. I, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the wide receivers. You know, we come from 2019, that magical 11-win year, and Tanner, you know, throwing the ball to, you know, two NFL-quality receivers. We don't have that yeah. now. We saw, you know, uh, Tanner or, um, Tanner regress a little bit. Um, the new guy comes in. All of a sudden, we can throw the ball now. So let me ask you this. Do you think that... Ethan is going to be a star. And what I mean by that is, can he be the, can this guy be the first quarterback? And I know next year's schedule is ridiculous. So I'm just talking maybe in a couple years or so, because he's coming in now with a lot of hype and what he did in that second half against Wisconsin. Can he be the guy? to help lead us to a Big Ten West title in a couple years, in your opinion? I don't know if he can be the guy, but he better be the guy. <laughs> and, I only, and I only I only say that I only say that because all I know is what I hear. And what I hear, you know, getting a chance to do the P.J. Fleck show every week. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard for weeks at a time, P.J. say that this kid has got all the talent in the world and he's the most talented quarterback he's ever had. And mm-hmm. He's got all the ability in the world. Well, that's that's great, and you know I, I'll, I'll give him some leeway in terms of being a freshman and making his first ever start at Penn State, which is not an easy place to make a start. Absolutely. Your first start, anyway. Yep. But I only saw it for one game, 
So, and is is that enough to convince me that he is? No, absolutely not. Right. It's not enough to convince me. I mean, he played one great game, not to take anything away from him, and and he played terrific, and he was really a huge reason why they won that game against Wisconsin. But when you look at the starts that he made against Iowa and what was it before that? Rutgers yeah, as well, I believe it was. I mean, they they relied heavily on the run game, and rightfully so. I mean, look right. look at the tailback you have, Muhammad Ibrahim. I mean, yep. I'm not disputing the fact that you should be a run first team with Muhammad Ibrahim behind you. Absolutely. But but if you want me to crown this kid after one great game against Wisconsin, I'm not going to do it. No. Thank so you. he he's got to go out there and prove it on a consistent basis, just like everybody else. But you know, I've been fed on a directly from the head coach that this kid has got all the talent in the world. So they certainly believe in him. And uh, I'll be a believer once I see it on a consistent basis. But for right now, I'm just going to reserve and wait and see. Okay, last question on the offensive side of the ball here. And again, Pierre Nugent is joining us, Fox 9 sports reporter here in the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And as he just said, also the host of the PJ Flex show, the wide receivers. Now, they've taken a lot of heat recently, deservedly so. But now, all of a sudden, with the new quarterback, they seem, you know, Dylan Wright or Dylon Wright, however you want to pronounce it there, um, you know, it, he's back on the radar. Um, you know, Brockington, all these new names. And by the way, these guys are catching deep balls from Ethan. So has something changed here? Is it just they're now inspired by a new quarterback? I mean, because these guys couldn't do nothing with Tanner. Tanner goes out with the injury, and now the new guy comes in, and we got wide receivers again. Yeah, I think you know, and, and another name that you know we didn't, you didn't bring up in there. Michael Brown Stevens has completely fallen off the map, right? Uh, yes. Especially in the last handful of games of the season. I mean, he is just nowhere to be found. And I, I don't know. I, I would have to imagine we did get a chance. Um, to speak with Daniel Jackson a couple of weeks ago. And I would imagine that it's got to be frustrating for a wide receiver to go out there and, and not have the ball thrown your way. And and more to the point, not have the ball thrown at all. Really. We were talking about 13 (laughs) pass attempts in a game, 15 pass attempts in a game. And a lot of them are targeted to Brevin span Ford, which, you know, he's a huge target and why not? But I have to imagine it's frustrating for a wide receiver not to feel involved and not to feel like, and, and just to feel like, Hey, I'm just going to go out there and run block on every single right. play. You know, receivers want the ball in their hands. They want the ball thrown their way. They want to prove to everybody around them. They can make the ability. They have the ability to make a great catch. And I, I just, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a lack of talent issue. I just think in the last handful of games of the season, the game plan just called for more run and they were right. up big and you're not going to throw the ball when you're up big. And, I just think it's the way games played out. I don't think it's a it's an issue of lack of talent or lack of ability. Okay. It's just the way the game plan worked out in some of these games. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. All right, let me ask you this here. Uh, the coordinators, you know, Sharaka, Rossi, you know, they obviously, I mean, these guys were golden after 2019. Um, this year, eh, not so much at times again. Um, what do you think of our two coordinators? Because, you know, again, out there in, in Twitterverse and, and, you know, conspiracy land. And, I, you know, I think I even said win, lose, or draw. PJ and Soraka really need to have a sit down after this game and discuss some things. But, again, you're there. 
you know, what's the word on the coordinators? And, and, you know, I mean, they're not going anywhere, so I don't think that's the case. But, you know, just give me your thoughts on those two guys. Well, I'll start with Joe Rossi, who uh, I have to be honest, it really has my attention. And if I was, you know, a mid-major program or something like that, I would take a long, hard look at Joe Rossi. I mean, when you look at the way this defense played this year, they were lights out in so many games, so good. Very true. You know, maybe not – I think the, the one area in which and, – and P.J. even said this himself is the one area that I think he wanted to see more of was more pressure on the quarterback. This team didn't generate a lot of sacks. It didn't generate a ton of pressure. But this secondary was about as good as I've seen – in college football in a long time, a, a very talented group, a very talented set of linebackers, especially, you know, when you're uh, talking about Mariano Sori Marin and guys of that nature. I, I think he's done a great job developing players. Okay. You look at Justin Wally, you look oh, at Tyler sure. Newbin, you look at Jordan Howden. I, I think Joe Rossi's name should be considered in some of these mid-major programs as potentially – a head coaching candidate, because I think he's proven to me that he knows how to run a defense and he can get this defense to play at a high level every single week. Right. For for Kirk Shiraka, when he came back, the I think I wasn't alone when everybody thought, well, you know, maybe he can get Tanner back to what we saw oh, in 2019. Right. Yep. Yeah, and, and everything looked great in the first month of the season, the first four games, especially when you go back to the Michigan State game. I was sitting there thinking, okay, we're this team, this offense is back to where it was in 2019. And the following week, of course, right, yeah. they have uh, Penn State, or I'm sorry, the uh, the Purdue game. The Purdue game was uh, followed the Michigan State game. You laid a little bit of a dud there, and so I have to admit, I, while I don't think the offense has been poor by by any stretch of the imagination, I just don't feel like the offense has been ambitious you know there's not there's not a lot of creativity there's not a lot of you know maybe it's you know you're a coordinator you can only work with the weapons that you have but i i I thought the offense played a little too conservative throughout a lot of the season it's you know and nothing to take away from mo ibrahim in the run game and what they were able to accomplish i mean the guy is an all-planet type of running back Mm -hmm. but um i i was felt wanting more i'll say i'll leave it at that no, I think that yeah, you summed it up perfectly. I couldn't have said it any better myself, and I know a lot of Gopher Nation would, would definitely agree with you on the offensive side of the ball. All right, so again, because I know Pierre is a very busy man, so let me just turn this to the Vikings here, Pierre, and get your thoughts here. Uh, nine and two, nobody obviously expecting this with a new coach, new front office. You know, kind of the same names on the field, but you never know how that's going to take when different schemes are being introduced. So, you know, the Vikings are obviously looking very good here, minus that little Dallas whooping they took a couple weeks back. But, you know, give us your thoughts on where we're at right now with the Vikings and your thoughts on their coach, Kevin O'Connell. Well, I think Kevin O'Connell handled himself very, very well in his first season. I think you know, it's not easy for, for a first-year head coach, particularly at his age, to just come in and take over the reins of, of an NFL team the way he has and, and manage the personalities. You know, I give him a, a ton of credit for that. Uh, the only thing I would say is the, the, I think the thing that, that has frustrated me a little bit is is the involvement in the run game where you got a guy like Dalvin Cook who I believe only has one 
100-yard game this season? Maybe two. I'd have to go back yeah. and look at the numbers. But, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning around. Like, you're paying Dalvin Cook a lot of money. And not that – listen, I'm not going to argue with, with the result. The, the, it, right. Sports is a bottom-line business. You win or you lose, and you have nine of them through the first 12 weeks. So I, I'm not going to argue with that whatsoever. I just look at the Vikings, and while they have, have done a spectacular job of winning close games and handling themselves in pressure in close game situations, which we had not seen in the previous handful of years with this team, mm-hmm. there, there's, I just watch the Vikings, and, and I'm thinking to myself, does this team really scare me? Am I scared of this team if I'm lining up against them on the opposite side of the field? And right. to me, the answer is still no. I'm, I'm not. There's nothing about this team that scares me. They play great complimentary football, and they get all the credit in the world for me on that. And Justin Jefferson is, is I mean, superstar feels like the understatement of, the, of a century <laughs> right. here. But, but am I? Am I? If I'm, if, let's say, let's say for the sake of argument, you know, the season ended today. And a team like the 49ers had to come into Minnesota right. and play Minnesota in the opening round of the postseason. You think the 49ers are scared of Minnesota? Nope. You think the 49ers, anybody would, would think to themselves, there's no way the 49ers could win this game? I don't think so. No, but, not at all. You know, not that, at all. And yeah, then Jimmy Garoppolo's I mean, going to take your woman after the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the, like for, for, for Minnesota, they, they, they play good steady football they don't turn the ball over a lot they're very consistent in what they've been able to do on both sides of the ball all year long and one thing i love as a football fan is consistency if i don't know what i'm getting week in and week out that drives me nuts as a fan and we've seen a steady diet of of kirk cousins throwing for around 300 nearly 300 yards a couple touchdowns nothing super flashy but it's enough to get it done and at the end of the day winning is what matters the most and that's what they're doing so Nothing to take away from them. I'm just waiting. I'm still. I'm still waiting to see if there's another gear to this team. Uh, very well put. And let me ask you this: on the defensive side, on the ball for the purple, you know, a um, couple more injuries in the defensive backfield here. You know, what do you think they're looking like on the defensive side of the ball? You know, um, the starters are good, but if one more gets hurt, you know, Hitman Harry goes down, Patrick falls down. You know, they're real thin back there. So just give us your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball and how that can, you know, maybe be a detriment here if the if injuries come into play. Yeah, particularly in the secondary, I, I, I can definitely hear the concerns. You know, Andrew Booth Jr. didn't play uh, nearly all season long until a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's t- tough to stick a rookie out there. And, yep. you know, Cameron Dantzler, as, as, you know, had a good start to the season, I thought. And then, of course, injuries start to pile up over there and, Dalvin Tomlinson is another guy who got hurt the last couple of weeks, and that certainly takes away from your defensive front, and he's been a big part of that. I think Jordan Hicks, I think, has been terrific. I think he's been terrific for the Vikings. Him and the pairing of him and Eric Hendricks, I thought, is, is, has been a, a tremendous pairing. I don't think there's been a ton of drop-off with Anthony Barr walking out the door and putting Jordan Hicks into the lineup next to Eric Hendricks. But uh, defensively, this has been a bend-but-don't-break group all season long and they haven't broken you know say for of course you know the dallas game you want you wish you could flush that down the toilet and of course kirk gets stripped sack deep in your own territory so that doesn't make things easy to start a game like that but i think this defense has been steady um are are they are they you know a a team that's just going to completely shut you down 
hasn't been that way thus far. But okay. the bend don't break mentality has seemed to serve them well, and they seem to figure things out when they need to figure things out. So um, again, like it's just I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about a team that's <laughs> nine and two, right? And yes. and I just can't I just can't seem to just bring myself to be excited about it. Not because of this doomsday mentality that all these Minnesota sports fans seem to have. <laughs> yes. It's just because it's just because I watch them and I'm just like, what's missing here? Why am I not feeling complete watching right. this team? But again, I'm not going to argue with the results. They're nine and two. Absolutely. All right. So let me transfer to the the last couple pro teams here. We'll get you out of here, Pierre. Again, Pierre Newsom joining us here on the Sports Done Right podcast with Vince Wright, the sports governor in Minnesota. Let's go over to the Timberwolves. So, you know, slower start than anticipated. Um, Ant seems like he's kind of half there, half not sometimes. You know, I thought it'd be better, you know, Rudy Gobert coming in and, you know, being, for lack of a better term, the center. Cat can go out and be that, you know, four guy on the three-point line that he's just apparently dying to be. But, you know, slow start now. We are still early in the season. But what are you seeing from the Timberwolves? Or maybe what aren't you seeing from the Timberwolves, Pierre? Well, and I was at the game against the Warriors on Sunday. And, you know, to watch them give up nearly 50 points in the first quarter, I I just, you know, listen, I, as as somebody who grew up in Sacramento, uh, I've been around the NBA all my life. And... I think 20 to 25 games is a fair barometer to kind of know what you have. And now we're at 20 games and you're sitting at an even 10 and 10. And last night after the game, Chris Finch was asked if, you know, essentially it was a way of, is this marriage of Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns just not working? And he okay. responded. He responded saying, "No." He said he doesn't believe that's what is plaguing them right now. And I, I tend to agree with him a little bit. I think the pairing is a little bit awkward, but I don't think that it's something that you can deem as a disaster through twenty games. Right. If you, if you remember last year, if I, if memory serves me right, I believe this team was twenty three and twenty four if I'm not mistaken, halfway through the season. And then they were just able to take off. They just flipped the switch, found something that worked, and they took off the rest of the way, played really good basketball down the stretch. So 20 games in, I'm, I'm a little concerned, uh, particularly with and, – and my main concern is this is the third year of Anthony Edwards, and we saw the level that he reached last year. Anthony Edwards, after a couple games, has said, you know, I can't get to the lane really because the lane's clogged up. You got – Gobert in there, you got Cat in there. Anthony Edwards does a lot of his damage driving to the basket, and he he's he's physically fit. A lot of guys have a tough time keeping him in front of them, and he's not really getting an opportunity to drive the lane because you got the lane clock. So that right. takes away a little bit from what Anthony Edwards can do. And so in that regard, my concern is not so much with Gobert and Towns. It's how do you kind of get Gobert and Towns to work in accordance with Anthony Edwards, because I think Anthony Edwards has to be your focal piece on offense. I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet. Yeah, I'm not ready to hit the panic button just yet. But come to me in January and ask me again, because 
it's nobody, and I don't think there's anybody in the world that would look at this team after 20 games and say, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll be just fine. No, I'm not sitting here and saying they'll be just fine. But they got to figure it out and figure it out soon because the inconsistency has been what's plaguing them. And then that's really what it is. They've just been inconsistent. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, you know, I mean, not that anybody's really kind of making mad dashes and win-loss columns right now. But, yeah, they got to get this figured out soon because it's it's – like you said, I don't want to say it's troublesome, but it's starting to really creep on my mind as well. All right, my friend. So let's end it with the Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, everybody loves hockey in Minnesota. Wild, you know, yeah. they've kind of been up and down a little bit here. They got a nice, you know, little win streak going with this homestand here recently. Some new players in the mix. So, you know, again, very early in the hockey season as well. But, you know, Minnesota hockey fans, man, you know, they're – huge expectations every year. So where are we with the wild at this moment in time, Pierre? Well, I think somebody else by, uh, except for Kirill Kaprizov has to start scoring a little bit for this <laughs> yeah. team. I know a little too reliant on that line of, you know, Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello. And I know that, um, you know, they got off to a bad start, but again, when you look at the team, last year's team got off to a good start, if memory serves me right, and they yeah. they caught they got really hot at one point in the season. Everybody was sitting here thinking, like, this is the team, this is the year where maybe they can Absolutely. make a deep push into the playoffs. And look how things panned out. You know, it didn't, it didn't work out in their favor. So mm-hmm. I think the secondary scoring has to come from somewhere, does it not? I mean, yes. when you got Kaprizov leading you goals and leading you in and, and points, there's got to be more help and contribution. I mean, perhaps this team really – I'm not going to second-guess Bill Guerin because he knows way more than I do. He's forgotten more about hockey than I'll probably ever know in my entire life. But did, we, did he overplay his hand here thinking that trading away Kevin Fiala and allowing some of the younger guys, maybe like a Matt Boldy, could easily just slide in and fill yeah. the gap that Kevin Fiala left? And – I think we're starting to see now that it's, you know, when you trade away a goal scorer, maybe it's not that easy to replace him with guys that you already have on the roster. So yeah, absolutely, uh, everybody everybody wants more. I, I'm very happy to see that Marc-Andre Fleury has, has bounced back from what is what was a disastrous start, you know, to, to the beginning of the season. And he still hasn't played to his standards, I would say, by this point of the season. But – Still, still time. What are we? How many games are we in? Twenty-one. We're yes, twenty-one yeah, games yeah. into the season. There's the, this. The only thing I would say is, right now, when you look at the central, it, it's everybody's kind of neck and neck with each other. Dallas is in front, but they're right, not. Yeah. You know, you can't. It's not like Colorado last year, where you knew Colorado just ran away with the division and everybody was playing for second place. Right now, this division is very wide open. There's still a lot of time. I would like to see, again, the secondary scoring come from somewhere other than Kirill Kaprizov to make me think that the team is going to start winning more games. But until that happens, um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of, again, kind of like the Wolves, inconsistency. You win two here, you lose three there. You win one, you lose, you know. Right, yeah. Consistency is all fans want. And until we see it, I'm just going to be standing on uneasy ground with both of these teams. I I couldn't agree more, man. Well, folks, I mean, you've heard from one of the great sports minds in town now, Pierre Nugent over at Fox 9. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at The Nuge. That's N-O-U-J. 
the Nuge Fox 9. And Pierre, I just got to say, man, I, I thank you wholeheartedly, man. I, I watch you all the time. I love the work you put in. I'm glad I was able to meet you in person and talk to you a little bit. And we're going to get ribs to you soon, my man. Um, because I know, <laughs> unless you want to come down to Arizona this winter and visit, we can do some ribs down there in the sunshine for you. But we're going to get you some ribs. And, man, I again, I just thank you so much for taking time to join us here on Sports Done Right. Well, there's one thing, you know, there's a, a myriad of things I miss about living in Texas, but barbecue is certainly number one. So any chance, anytime I get a chance to get some hand, my hands on some ribs, Man, I would I would more than love to do it. So uh, I appreciate you having me, Vince. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, I hope we do it again soon. Yeah, we. All right, the one and only Pierre Nugent, ladies and gentlemen. Bravo, bravo. And, you know, like I said, one of the nicest guys out there, one of, you know, all these reporters work hard and, and, you know, Pierre was telling me about the grind between all the shows he's doing and being on the news and everything, man. So I am very thankful he took the time this afternoon to come on the Sports Done Right show. And with that, my friends, um, we are going to end this show because we've covered everything here. Uh, One thing I do got to get to, though. The fine folks over at the Pigskin Podcast Network. And uh, by the way, our official betting partner at the network, DraftKings Sportsbook. So it's, you know, it's the go-to for sports betting. Make sure you check them out. And right now, new customers can bet just $5. $5, people, on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out right now, everyone. Earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays and here's the thing download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use code TPPN place a $5 bet on any team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at DraftKings Sportsbook and again that's with the code TPPN all right my folks Another great show, another great interview, and we are going to be out of here. We will catch up to you next week. I am Vince Wright, the Sports Governor. You can follow me on Twitter at TheBigSmoothOne. It's the number one after The Big Smooth. And, oh, real quick, special shout-out to my man. Now, I didn't even know that this was happening. Our friend over at Keekly Sports here. Did a phenomenal sketch of me and Queen Nadine Babu, the queen of gopher tailgates, as I like to call her. So make sure you check that out. That's on our Twitter feeds as well. I mean, it, insanely. Kickley Sports at Kickley. And let me spell that out. Give them some love here. K-I-C-K-L-I-Y Sports at Kickley Sports is the Twitter handle there. Oh, man. Phenomenal. It's been a great week. Vikings keep it up. We'll see where the Gophers wind up going for their bowl game here. Timberwolves, as of now, they're losing to Washington. So, yeah, you heard what Pierre said there. So, all right, folks, I'm out of here. Thank you guys so much. It is a pleasure to be your sports governor. We'll talk to you next week, my friends. Thank you for listening to Sports Done Right with your host, the governor of Minnesota Sports Talk, the Honorable Vince Wright. Check out Sports Done Right every Tuesday night 
And when it's over, stay up on all of the breaking sports news and commentary by joining the Sports Done Right Facebook group. Let your voice be heard and join the conversation right now. You finally got it right with Sports Done Right.